Father's House North End doing that so well. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to say good morning to our churches, Father's House nationally joining us for this Eden series, week one, part one. And also to everybody obviously watching online, I see a lot of countries represented there. People are putting the flag of the nation as an emoji on the comment section. And also to Kingfisher FM, our local Christian radio station in the Mandela Bay area, who we stream our messages onto live also. So great to have you in church. Thank you so much for being here. Firstly, I do need to say for the Mandela Bay people, I think the drought is breaking or has broken or I think something. <laughs> May that be both practically and spiritually true. I've taken my time to teach on the Eden series again. I've taught on it for about six years now, almost every year, every second year. I've taken my time to decide to do it this time because Eden is picking a fight. And I think it is time for us to pick a fight. Now you might feel, what kind of, a, that makes you anxious. But I think when you realize what Scripture teaches about how intentional we need to be about our time here on earth, you'll decide I won't allow my enemy to diminish my capacity or my intention to live a fulfilled and full life. Can you say amen to that? So I think it's time to pick a fight. I've titled part one uh, of Eden, this message I've titled, Would I Lie to You? Would I Lie to You? Some of you know it's a, it's a game show thing, and some of you know it's just a saying, and some of you have heard somebody say that to you and discovered yes is the answer to that. But I want to talk to you today under the title, Would I Lie to You? And to get there, I want to take you to three parts of the Bible. And I'm going to sort of sandwich it in right at the beginning so we've all got context on what this topic is about. I'm going to begin in perhaps an uncommon place. You would think if we're starting on Eden, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. But I want to start in the book of Acts. I said we were going to pick a fight, so let's pick a fight. There is a danger, I think, in this conversation in the world in which we live in. And I am going to pick a fight in a way that the world has convinced us or is trying to convince us that things are running out. But the Bible teaches us that our God will supply all our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that we are to live in an abundance mindset not in a scarce mindset. Now, I think this is something that has taken root in all of uh, the world and we're all living in fear that things are bad rather than re living in faith that God has a miracle for every circumstance and every situation. I think it becomes essential that we turn that attitude around. Can, can you say amen to that? I see we're back online also, so to our online community. Welcome back, very nice to see you. It, I don't even think we can blame load shedding. I think we must just blame the devil, I guess. Uh, this is not the day for the devil to play games with me because I'm really in a pick a fart mode. Uh, I, I, I keep forgetting it's not on the screen yet. Genesis chapter two, uh, verse five says this, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth 
And there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden. Oh, I'm a big fan. And the Lord God planted a garden eastwards in Eden and there He put the man whom He had formed. Can I just tell you something very powerful about that Scripture? That Scripture says God didn't let it rain until there was man because if it rained, the earth would flourish and before it flourished, God had to put man there to take care of it. Do you know that God, the rain and the man came together? On the earth. And I think there is something to consider that, that God made the earth for our responsibility, but also for our enjoyment. And that's also getting taken away. Bit by bit, it's getting taken away. I find that unbelievably, unbelievably challenging. You know, the more you consider it, the more you realise that we are all being lied to and shaped in a certain direction. Now, I know this is probably going to annoy a few people. It's okay. We, we love Jesus and we love one another. But I don't think all the things are as bad as they're telling us they are. I think they're being told to us to manage us, to keep us under control so that the few can take the most so that the most can expect the least. I think there is a necessity for us to push against that and to start to think braver and bigger again. Do you know what's particularly worrying is that the Christian faith is almost falling prey to this. We're so worried that we're gonna run out of water and run out of land space and run out of air and there's a crisis here and a crisis there and a crisis everywhere. Sounds like a song. And then people from other religions aren't worried about it. They're building islands in the ocean, you know, cities across the desert, expansive, powerful thinking, and we're shrinking and staying back and worrying. And God has called us to be people of faith. He has made this place for us, and we are sown into this planet to, for our responsibility and for our reward for our reward. It is to be enjoyed and it is to be celebrated. It's what God had in mind for us. Can you say amen? In fact, Genesis starts with Eden and then Revelation, the whole Bible ends with Eden. Have a look at this in Revelation chapter uh, um, chapter 22. And uh, I'm gonna share with you some of the lies I think our enemy is trying to convince us of. Uh, Revelation chapter 22 says, then the angel showed me the river. Actually, in the NIV, it literally says Eden restored at the top of the verse. It says this, then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruits, yielding its fruit every month. Oh, I just, I love, you know, I love how the Lord uh, through visions and pictures teaches us. Let me tell you, the water from heaven will never run dry. The fruit will bear every month. There isn't gonna be a good month and a bad month. It's just going to be consistency and continuity. God has a plan for us that is prosperous and encouraging and we should stop worrying that the best has passed and we've got what's left. 
and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations and no longer will there be any curse. Surely that's an amen moment. No longer will there be any curse. Is that clappable? And so here's this context. God creates a God. By the way, He makes a garden on the whole world and says to Adam and Eve, look after that. I can't look after the whole world, but I can look after my space. I can look after the part, the thing, the environment God gave me. I've got to love my city, love my church, my environment, my decade, my situation. I can't worry about it all, but I can worry about my Eden. Do you know that God has placed you at a time and a place for a purpose and a reason? And it is to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. And this idea that we are being downgraded every day, I think we must fight back. I think it becomes necessary to say it's, it's not so. I had an interesting experience. I'll probably get into some more trouble with this. I had an interesting experience putting a borehole in my home, at my home, not in my home. I mean, that would be lazy if you could, I mean, in the lounge, like I just don't even walk outside for the water. The water must come to me. And the guy came, you know, and I don't want to ask questions. He does it with a stick and I don't know anything about that. I just anointed my garden afterwards uh, so that it was holy. And he said, oh, there's water right here and, and uh, right in my driveway. And he dug a hole there and he found water. I said, did you find a decent amount of water? He said, you found a lot of water. He said, give me a month. I'll tell you what, how, what the quality of the water is. I said, cool. I said, aren't there too many boreholes? Aren't we just sucking up all the water? And he said, well, he said, you know, there's hundreds, eight, nine hundred boreholes in the city. We haven't noticed a drop in the level. And I began to worry, think, that we are all being taught to worry about things that God is still supplying mysteriously and supernaturally. And now we're living in fear. I mean, secretly, I can't help wondering, like, am I being lied to about a few things, not just that, a few things. I told my, my men's group this story uh, about American cheese. Uh, and if you're in America, love you, love your cheese. American cheese. Decades ago, they overproduced milk. They didn't know what to do with it, but they didn't want to throw it away, so they turned it into cheese. But it wasn't pretty cheese. It looked a bit yellow. So nobody really wanted to buy it, so they stuck them in bunkers, the same bunkers that they were using for the war, for, the, for, for weapons and for, for protection, you know? And, um, but no one would buy it. So they got an academic institution to write a paper that said that this cheese had special bacteria in it that was very good for your stomach. And they sold all the cheese. Are they selling cheese to us? What's going on here? I'll tell you a personal story, uh, one I'm witnessed rather, not personal. Years ago, when I was a teenager, 10 years ago, uh, my folks, as you may know, have, a, have shops, retail stores, and, and uh, a Philips, the, 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 the razor company, men's shaving, brought out a product that you know, was a, a battery-operated shaver. You know the one with the three-circle thing? Oh, you all know... We, we, we put it out on the shelf. It was dirt cheap in those days, like 15 rand, 12 rand. Nobody bought it. So they phoned us and all the suppliers, sellers and said, put it back in the shelf, on the sh I mean, put it back in your storeroom and in 
90 days, put it back on the shelf for 100 rand. People bought it. Because we were trained that if it's cheap, it's bad quality, why would you put it on your skin? Rather spend more, same item. Are we being overcharged and sold a lie about many things? I don't know now if I must eat meat or never eat meat. Is salt good for me or bad for me? If I drink reverse osmosis water, I might mummify myself. If I drink tap water, I might sprout another leg. If I, it would be nice if I just sprouted longer legs, hey, just a little bit, just, I'm not sure. What is all of this doing? What it's doing is keep your expectations lower. Don't expect too much from life because you know it's all not so good. I don't believe all of it anymore. I think there's water when the Lord says we need water, the Lord will provide the water. I think that there is enough space for us to expand, to own property, to leave something of an inheritance for your kids. I think that you can drink most water and still be okay. Sorry to the guys who are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go check out 60 Minutes Australia this week. They did like a bottled water thing. I was quite shocked, eh? They tested nine types of bottled water. Guys, it's getting hectic. There's bottled water available with special enzymes to calm your pets. <laughs> they couldn't find the enzymes, but it's like $19 a bottle. And the people are buying, eh? The people are like, my dog needs this. And if you read the label, it says, is your dog aggressive? Does your dog sleep too much? Is your dog too hungry? Like, describe any dog <laughs> and put it on the label. You need this water. And then they followed like where the guy gets the water from. Hey, same tap that you get the other waters. <laughs> Bottling it, $19, $19. People are eating it up, drinking it up. Are we being sold a lie. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Genesis chapter three. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Ah, surely you won't die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knew that when you eat from it, your eyes will be woke. I mean, will be open. I told you I was gonna pick a fight. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I'm, I'm starting here. I'm going to go back in the weeks. I've got a few weeks on this topic. I'm going to go back to how to make your world an Eden and how God has given you work as a blessing. We'll go to all of that. But before we get there, I think it's important to know that you're not going to be able to see a future if you're still listening to the serpent's lies. Now, the snake was crafted. Now, you might say to yourself, well, why, why a snake? I love snakes. I keep snakes at home. This is terrible. I mean, I, don't focus on that. I think the point was he got into the garden in the form of something that looks like it belongs in the garden. 
That's how he gets in. He gets in looking like he belongs and then starts whispering in your ear. That new telescope, it's called the James something telescope. Everyone's pretty excited about. They've just found five new galaxies, but they happened too fast for the old timeline. So they might have to adjust the timeline. They're still getting to Genesis chapter one. They're somewhere there in the, in the maps pages before Genesis chapter one, still coming. But we're making radical decisions about our expectation on the future based on the serpent's lies. And I wanted to talk to you today about how important it is to shake off that, that mindset and to start to think about God's plan to put you on this earth with a, an exciting future. I think we're being lied to. Hey, church, I think the church is being lied to. They've taken us, put us online, and then moved us to the bottom corner of the online world and then pumped every other nonsense onto your timeline thinking that's what you need to see. Now, I love online. I mean, half our church is still online, right? So I love that. But let's be careful that we're not made invisible and everything else is being made too visible. We have to fight back and think expansively. So I thought what we should do is, since it's the start of the series and I've gotten myself into so much trouble, the power went off. I think we should categorize three of the lies that the serpent told Adam and Eve and how that those three lies are still being told to us today. John chapter 10, verse 10 is a famous verse. It says that the thief, the devil, only comes to steal kill and destroy. Jesus says he's come that, he may, that we may have life and have it in fullness. I think there is this equation between what the, the enemy does, the serpent does, the snake, the devil, and the full life. He doesn't have to steal everything. He just has to steal some things so that you've got life, but not full life. So that you've got relationship, but not happy relationship. So that you've got opportunity, but not confident opportunity. I, I think... Um, we need to pick a fight with the serpent and kick him out the garden. So the first lie I think the devil um, is, has been convincing all of us and inc including Adam and Eve. I find this amazing that Adam and Eve living in paradise with no problems in their lives was convinced that they're lacking something. How did Adam and Eve manage with almost everything but one tree and the snake convinced them, shame. It's a pity you don't have that. It's a pity you don't have that one thing. I think one of the great lies of the enemy is scarcity. That there isn't the perfect person for you to marry, they're all married. That there isn't the perfect house for you, they're all sold. That there isn't the perfect plot of land because there's just no more land left. That there isn't enough, 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 enough and you have been told to downgrade your expectations of the future. I'm telling you, elevate those expectations of the future. God has a perfect place with a perfect purpose and a perfect partner set up for you. God is still establishing Edens every day right now. In fact, I mean, I, I, I know I, I, I don't have any kids, so I shouldn't say this, but Christians should just have more kids. 
Once they are married, I feel that Christians should have more kids. Because, because you're all wondering, like, the wives are like, you need to wrap this up in some kind of way because now I've got to go home with my husband and my husband's going to try implement scriptures here and I need you to clarify what you mean. Let me tell you what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that the, the saints... Uh, I use this phrase, I once said to myself, I'll never say it from the pulpit, but I use this phrase. I, I think that this, the devil has convinced the people who should have kids not to and left everybody else who maybe should have fewer kids. <laughs> Is that a rude thing to say? Welcome to Eden, everybody. <laughs> and it's raining. Can any more happen in one service? If you guys didn't meet me until after the pandemic, then I know this is an adjustment because I've been quite calm for two years now, but I'm not calm anymore. I'm, I'm quite frustrated. And I even posted about my borehole and somebody commented and said, how dare you take water out the ground when we need the water? Let me explain to you, the water didn't come from the ground. The water came from the Lord who put it in a place. He didn't let it rain until there was man. Man and water came together because something activated. So man had something to do. Can I be normal now? (laughs) 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 says this. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. We can't delete that verse because it's the 21st of the century. We can't, we can't take it away because somebody said, hey man, this isn't enough or that isn't enough or this is a problem or that's a problem. That's my verse right there. My verse says that my God will bless me abundantly so that at all times, in every way, on everything, I'll operate in abundance so that I can do God's good work on the earth. Can you say amen to that? I think you should highlight that verse. Okay, cut and paste it. What's the modern way of remembering a verse? Get it as a tattoo. I'm just picking farts. I've gone for the climate people, the vegetarians, and the tattoo people all on one morning. I mean, what a jam-packed value for your money experience in church today. The enemy is lying to us about scarcity versus abundance. I'm not going to believe it anymore. Secondly, the enemy, oh, I'm really going for the big one now. The enemy is lying to us about identity. Identity. Should I even go down this road? I think we must go down this road. I think we must go down this road. I think. You see, if you can convince people to keep downgrading their expectations of their lives, you can control them. I think that's what's happening. We've got control happening. I don't have to wonder who's controlling us. Don't look for a name, a human name to put there. It's the serpent. Forget who he's working through. It's the serpent. And the serpent saying to Adam and Eve, are you a child of God 
or are you a slave of God? Don't you wanna be more like God? They were children of God, the very first two human beings and the devil convinced them that wasn't enough, that they weren't enough. Not that things weren't enough, but they weren't enough. And when Adam and Eve finally fell, what did they do? They had an insecurity about their own body and an insecurity about their roles. You know, the devil even destroyed the roles of the relationship. Adam never blamed Eve for anything until that day. Adam was so impressed with her, he called her, whoa, man. (laughs) Now the devil trying to take the womb. I mean, I don't have time for all of this, but I'm just telling you, he was so impressed. He didn't know what, he named all the other animals. Whoa, man. And then the first sign of trouble, God, you can't blame me. The woman you sent me brought this apple pie. (laughs) Destroyed their identity with one another, the role of the man, the role of the woman, the relationship with God and the relationship with planet and the snake still hisses and the saints still believe it. And we have to say, well, hang on, hang on, my Eden, go play somewhere else. This is my turf, and in my turf, righteousness reigns. Rain comes in its season. My trust is in the Lord. God has a great plan for me. There is this this absolute lie of scarcity. There is an absolute, let me tell you about water quickly. One more thing about water, because I hear it. Convincing my brain. Um, is Lloyd okay? Has anybody checked with him? Is 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 Jay Bay doing all right? Is preaching on his own? Okay, good. I did warn him to prepare uh, um, a message there. Um, this is a, a Cyprus story, so just forgive me for a moment. It's a little island in the Mediterranean. One third Turkish invasion, two thirds still Greek. The the Greeks, the Cypriot Greeks didn't want to share their water with the Turkish Cypriots because they're fighting, so you don't do that. So please don't ever invite me for Turkish delights because it's still quite sensitive. So, so they decided, well, but all the water was on the, on the Greek side. So you know what they did? They put a pipeline under the ocean, the Mediterranean, from Turkey, under the sea, and across to the island. 50 years ago. Please don't tell me we can't get it from the other side of the border to come to where we need it. I think we're just being managed to keep us in resource mindset scarcity for fear because fearful people are easily enslaved people. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We shake off the serpent and we step into our season. Can you say amen to that? Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, Ephesians 2 says, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household. Settle your spiritual identity. Settle the attitude of abundance. Do you know what I've noticed at Father's house? In a way, I'm glad we're not streaming right now and the guys are preaching in their pulpits. You know what I, I noticed about Father's house North End? The minute they could downsize our influence enough, they stopped bothering us. 
But when you push the boundary to the point where the mayors are coming to the service and the environment is shifting and the cold and we're cleaning up the streets or whatever, they're on. Oh, let's let's bring you down. Let's bring you down to a size where we can manage you. We don't want you to manage us. That's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. The lie of scarcity, the lie of identity, and finally, the lie of morality. Here's what I mean about this. They've suggested to us, you can't know if something is right or wrong anymore. It must just be right or wrong to you. And I think that's a lie. I think there's right and wrong no matter who you are. I think that that's true because God said it and we walk by faith. And the serpent came and said, don't you want to know good and evil? And Eve said, well, that's a good idea. I'd like to know. Adam said, I'd also like to know. You know, I'd like to decide for myself if it's good or bad. Don't tell me it's good or bad. I'd like to decide for myself. What a lie of the devil. Let the one who created you tell you what's good for you and what's not good for you. Don't figure it out for yourself. You'll hurt yourself, your kids, your spouse, the next generation trying to work out what God already said was true to begin with. I don't need to work it out for myself. I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding and He will direct my path. There isn't flexible morality. There's just biblical morality. And the serpent came to spread a lie. The good thing about the rain is you're not in a rush to go home now because of the hair. So you're here, you're staying for coffee, you're, you're staying for the 6 p.m. First Corinthians, I'll close with this verse. First Corinthians 15, verse 33, but from the message says, if there's no resurrection, nothing to reach spiritually, then we eat, we drink, the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good character. This attitude of I eat, I drink, who knows what will happen tomorrow is not biblical. The biblical attitude is I'm on track with my journey that God has put in my heart. I'm going somewhere that the Lord is leading me in. I wanted to encourage you today uh, on the simple phrase, kill and eat. Would I like to use a soft way of introducing the topic? But the braver way is to say, kill and eat. Conquer a giant, take possession of a land, plant a field, enjoy its fruits. I think we need to have the warrior mentality awakened within us so that we can step into our space and dominate it like a boss. The alternative risk is that others will do it and you will be controlled by the spirit of this world. Corinthians says, we have not received the spirit of this world, but we have received the spirit that is from God. And I wanna encourage you to ask the Lord, 
to walk away from the spirit of this world and to receive the spirit of God instead. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? We have a minute just to pray a prayer. There's a team in front to pray for anyone in person. There are tables with communion and a prayer request or a praise celebration card. So linger after or before a service and use all the facilities available. But today, I'd like to pray that we'll journey along the road of understanding what God put us on this planet for and not let other people dictate the terms of our existence. Let God do that. Can you say amen to that? Lord, will you fill us with the kind of confidence that is not arrogance, but the kind of confidence that is spiritually inspired. Confident of our place, our purpose, our people, and our power in you. Would you help us recognize that we're not here by accident and we're not lost in the list of things that's left, but instead you've put a place for us and a plan for us and we want to fulfill it. Today, we're picking a fight. It's to reject the sayings of the serpent and stand on the spirit of Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout of praise and thanksgiving and then... I want to encourage you, come for the whole series over the next four weeks. But don't rush off today. Stick around. We'd love to meet you in person.